The following message is from the 2012 IBCD Summer Institute, Changed by Grace. I'm glad you all are here. This is exciting. Got a lot of ordinary people, ordinary women. I'm so glad. Yeah, we're glad you all are interested in counseling. You want to help other women, I think. All right, we're about ready to pray. And ask God to be with us now. Let's ask the Lord's help. Father, we're just so thankful that you encourage us through your scripture and we want to look to you now as we consider this topic of helping other women. Um, do pray that you would show us your truth. In Jesus' name, men. Okay, basically what I'm going to talk to you about is... Some of the concepts that are incompetent to counsel, meaning you guys are competent to counsel. Okay? Now, I need to know who we have here. Do we have people who are working at a counseling center, like keeping office hours and meeting people from the public? Okay. Do we have people who are holding office hours in your church, like you have people coming in, making appointments? Okay, good. How many of you get together with a lady one-on-one on on a regular basis? All right. How many of you just want to be used? I just, yeah, I want to do all that stuff in the future. Okay, good. Good. Well, just to start out with a little biography, I am um, Caroline Neuheiser, uh, married to Jim, who's been in ministry for about 30 years. Uh, I'm very quiet and shy. <laughs> um, spent a long time watching my husband counsel. So I got to see him do counseling. And, and um, I also started, I was homeschooling my kids till they got out of the house. And ended up coming to a lot of conferences. Lots of conferences. I... Um, started talking to Eileen Scipione and other people who said, Caroline, you know, you should really consider counseling. No, 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 I can't do that. And I'm going to go into that further, how I could not, felt felt like I couldn't do it. Uh, Then I got, spent several years working on the NAIC exam. Years. (laughs) You know, question at a time, you know, a few blocks of time I could spend on the exam. Uh, a lot of hand-holding, a lot of sadness about this frustrating process. Then I got the exam back after I turned it in, and more grief over <laughs> the answers that I didn't get right, and I had to rewrite and everything. So finally, I got my supervision by Bob Somerville up in uh, Master's College for my 50 hours of supervision. Then I... Um, Got certified a year ago, so it's like not that long. <laughs> and since then, I have been like massively overdosed on counseling people. I mean, they're I keeping hours down in La Mesa, and I'm keeping hours up here, and I'm meeting people in church, and getting suddenly getting observers and all that. So talk, really stretched. Okay, and now if we could each go along and tell our own story. You might have something similar. You might be somewhere in that process. Maybe you've, you're 
it's kind of interested, and then people are encouraging you, and then all of a sudden, you know, girls are coming to talk to you, and other people are saying, could you help me with this problem? And you're starting to realize, yeah, I, I, need, I have some answers. I can help, but I want to help. I really want to help. That's the first step. So this is your pep talk. <laughs> you're gonna, I'm going to give you some tools to help you out so that you can make the process move faster. We're on page 81 in our syllabus. Uh, I am a runner, well, pseudo-runner, meaning I compete in 5K, 10K half marathon races. So, I mean, like the last, towards the end of the group. <laughs> anyway, so what do you think? If you have the 20-somethings, do you think it's mostly 20-somethings out there running half marathons? No. 30s? No. no, it's people in the 40s to 50s to 60s age range who are out. They have the time to train, and they have the weekends to dedicate to getting out on the trail. Those women are the one I want to, they want to talk to you guys, those of you who are doing other things, and saying, you know, you sh this is the time to counsel, to be trained and per start making the effort. That's what happened to me, okay? I, did, I was working hard in my family, and I respect the women who are working hard in their families, but we've got a great big, large group of women who are out on the trails, or they're volunteering at this, that, and the other thing. But counseling is what we're talking about today. It's important. It's part of your calling. Okay? We've been called to serve others. Luke 9, 23 to 24. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. So it's not about kind of our fulfillment. It's, we're called to serve. Titus 2, 3 through 5, we're going to look at even more detail, but we see that Titus was a man who was had this letter from Paul, but in the letter he says the older women should be teaching the younger women. It's not Titus himself. Okay? Do you realize that? The letter was written to Titus, but he's saying, let's get the older women out helping the younger. And don't think you have to have gray hairs to be that older woman, okay? Okay, it's not just not just the older ladies, like we think, well, grandmothers and things. No, it's people who are older than someone else. So we've got plenty of even young ladies counseling younger ladies. Okay, so don't X yourself out of that category. There's also a um, real serious reason for nurturing that we have in, in Titus which is beautiful if you think about how serious God takes this Titus 2 relationship. First of all, in verse Titus 2, verse 4, we're talking about a plural group. Older women. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women, plural, to group of older women, training younger women. And in verse 5, we have, so that no one will malign the word of God. Very serious calling right there. Younger men, also to be trained, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Slaves are told, 
so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Massive, massive work, kingdom work happening here. And it's it can be think, thought of as mothering, right? It could be thought of as a type of spiritual mothering. Actually, uh, Susan Hunt's the one who has that expression, right? And in Proverbs, you know how many times a mother is called upon to teach? Do not forsake your mother's teaching. You know, we forget. But it's the mother who's got a major role to take place in training. Proverbs 31, the teaching of wisdom is on her tongue. We'll talk about that some more. Also, um, 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 10, you're supposed to help others in trouble, devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Um, my friend Rochelle says, you know what? I'm really teaching someone else's daughter. I have a daughter, and here I am. I'm teaching, I'm training another person's daughter. That's, that's a special thought. In the concept of spiritually mothering, you can see that those of you who are working in your church have a great advantage compared to the person who's working in the office because you are out there. You can meet this lady in the coffee shop. You can talk to her after church. How's it going? You are flexible with your time. You know, you can have her children running around while you're talking. And I have a friend who meets with another lady, and she says, I'm just learning right along with. It's so beneficial to me, and I want to tell you some more about that, too. Esther 4.14. Remember, she was told, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place, but who knows? You may be fitted for such a time as this. Maybe the, the culmination of your life, now that you're you're done child training or whatever it is, now is the time when you're going to dedicate and serve the church in this way. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Some of you have that memorized because it's a great counseling verse. Brothers. And one of my counselors says, okay, what does that mean really, brothers? It's, a, it's mankind. It's like the larger picture. All of you, brethren, you know, Christians... If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Another, another, con- work, another calling is to restore, to teach. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. It's part of your calling as a Christian. Proverbs 31, 26, one of my favorites. She she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you've won your brother over. These are all verses that tell us about our collective responsibility to teach. Okay, we're not... I don't want you to have this model in your mind of a medical office where you go in, you got a secretary, you know, you go in and you sit down and you get your diagnosis, you get your pills and you leave. Okay? Completely different story. This is body life. This is working together in the church. Fulfilling God's commandment, Christ's calling to you. And I can't leave this point without saying 
Women really should be doing this job, okay? Women, it's better for women to counsel women. We all can sense that, but those of you who've been doing it, you know full well. You've got to have a woman, a wise woman, teaching. There are several reasons, you know, the dangers that would come, men counseling women, and even if those men have protection, you still have protection meaning the the play, the things they have in place to prevent any kind of um, emotional reactions, contact, you know. But no matter if there's an observer sitting there, that man's not going to come over and just give a hug when it's needed. Okay? woman can do that. And pat a leg or just sympathize and understand. That's a woman. Woman to woman is the best. You've got the advantage of knowing how women think, okay? <laughs> Some things we can kind of pick up on because we've been through it. We've had those hormones. We, we know, okay? So, again, we want a woman doing that kind of thing. And some really, some things are too personal that she won't tell a man necessarily, but she might tell someone who just really had compassion and love on her. Yeah, some of, this is a really big issue I hate to talk about, but she might open up with a woman. And as Carol Cornish says, 60 to 80% of counselees are women. This is why we need so many more people trained, okay? I'm so happy you all are here at this conference, and I'm happy when I hear that you're starting to think about biblical counseling because there's such a big need. And... I have been in the position more than once of taking a wife out of a marriage counseling couple alone and lets us talk now. Okay, you got the man with the great big wisdom. Actually, some of these men, you know, they're doing a lot of the hard work in the couple's counseling. Then you can take the wife aside and we'll have a few times together and yeah, the hard work's done. It's just reinforcement. So that's great teamwork. And I have to tell you, though, you may be thinking, I don't know, Caroline, if I can do this, but I don't want you to have any self-confidence, okay? If you pick up anything out of, like, Elise's talk at the pre-conference, we don't depend on self-confidence, okay? In fact, you're better off if you're not self-confident. Elise said on um, Thursday that self-forgetfulness gives freedom. I love that. So we're going to concentrate now on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we have that resource. Just listen to a few verses. John 20, 19 through 23 includes, Peace be with you. I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Those phrases are in effect for Christian women. Every woman who calls the name of Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 His divine, divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. What's the second greatest commandment? Love the... Okay. That's right. That's part of our calling. Again, you've been instructed to do this, but you've been given the equipment 
as well, the Holy Spirit. We've been told in Proverbs 3, 27-28, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Okay, this is where the shy person gets motivation. Okay, well, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. John 15, 12-13, my command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, than he. Yeah. And if I had my druthers, I'd be working on my stamp collection. You know, it's quiet, it's peaceful, no interruptions. I've got a great big jigsaw puzzle up in my living room, you know. Just love to do that. But here I am called. You know, going through the emotional experience regularly, weeping with those who weep and caring for one another, um, gets me out of the house, serving. (laughs) Great commission. Go and make disciples, and then what? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You know, you you can't just have the preacher up there doing the work the rest of us are going to go and make disciples teaching that means regular pouring out your life into someone else we have a verse which is comforting to those of us who've been in this place the concept that we have of this treasure in earthen vessels okay treasure treasure you thought about the treasure you have even just the good news okay that's like a treasure the gospel but it's in an earthen vessel it's in a clay pot some days we feel more like that than others but we have this treasure we're told to serve and use it isaiah 64 8 oh yet O lord you are our father we are the clay you are the we are the potter you are the potter we are all the work of your hand okay and first corinthians 4 7 that's our jars of clay and those of us who end up counseling feel that way a lot <laughs> don't know i need you lord romans 9 21 saying you know you are you are the potter, O oh Lord. You know what He has a right over what He does with His clay. And if we say no, I, you know, I want the best stamp collection. <laughs> you know, and He's calling. You feel the, that you know, Lord's calling you. Then you have to submit to that. I really liked also what Elise said in her brief conference about Psalm one thirty nine that our weaknesses are made by God and actually fashioned particularly for us. And that might be the weakness of uh, memorization, memorizing verses. That's something he's done. Weakness where we, well, why, you know, I wish I didn't have to take my glasses on and off all counseling session. But that's a weakness God's going to use. I have to be willing. Lord, grant me a willing spirit. So, in case any of you have the notion 
that the superstars, the excellent people, are going to be the ones doing the counseling. I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 1, 26. I'm following. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. So in a group like this, not many of us are like the brainiacs. Not many, not many were influential. We don't have senators' wives in here. We don't have, uh, music, you know, concert pianists in here, probably. <laughs> not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay? So those of us who are thinking, I'm not that person, I don't think I could ever go back and write an exam again. You know? I didn't go to college, perhaps. This, this verse is going to encourage you. Okay? You don't have to be the uh, the woman who stands up and gets all the attention and very commanding presence. Okay? That's not the ones God is using necessarily. So let's look at some of those women and people in the Bible who were still used by God, some of those ordinary, just, uh, you know, regular folks. If you think about Sarah, she's, you know, she's super famous, of course. But in 1 Peter 3, we're told something special about her. One of my favorite passages. In verse 5, talking about her attitude, this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. You see that? She's putting her hope in God. Okay? That doesn't mean she has all this inner drive. She's putting her hope in God and entrusting herself to him. And at the end of six, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Okay, fear is what keeps us from serving. Well, I can't do it as well as that person. I don't have any experience. I'm just a shrimpy Christian myself. No? We're talking about not giving way to fear and just doing what is right. Moses, over and over, God, I can't do it. Remember? I can't go. I can't speak hardly. And what was his answer? I am the Lord. I will go with you. What more could you ask for? Right? I am the Lord. God is with you. So he finally learned his lesson. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him. We have Deuteronomy 10.20. That's the way we're able to do any kind of service. Right? Holding fast to him. Isaiah saw a vision. He goes, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. can't, Can't do this. So God physically demonstrated 
justification to him, showed him he was justified. And then God says, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Send me. Here am I. Send me. Because he had God's spirit in him. He could go. Weak as he was. Peter. Okay, a whole bunch about Peter. You know about Peter. But how did Peter become the mighty man of God? Yeah, it was after Pentecost. Yeah, big changes. Massive changes in his life. How could he walk on water? He was looking at... Yeah. So... That's take, I'm taking the shivers out, I hope. <laughs> okay, Timothy. So many times, Timothy's told, do not fear, you know, be strong and courageous. Joshua as well. And another one of my lovely, lovely favorites, Second Timothy 1, 6 through 8. Those of you who have been observers in my counseling room have heard this many times. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. And you, you've got this flame, tiny, maybe, like your pilot light on your stove. But as any of you have been camping, you know, if you kind of get some oxygen in there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn brightly. <coughs> fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Okay, gift of God in you. Got a little flame, maybe. Maybe it's bigger. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Okay, those are your resources. Pep talk. Okay, now, some of you have got a fear of counseling still. So, you may be saying, well, I don't know what to say. You know, these people, they come in with big problems. So you got to erase from your mind the medical model, okay? We're not talking doctor's diagnosis type thing. Person who's read multiple fat medical books to know about every single condition. Okay, we're talking about people who've got the Holy Spirit, and we're told in Hebrews three thirteen, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. So daily, we're supposed to be encouraging. You can do that, but. I will tell you strongly that you need to know your Bible. Okay, and then if you've been through the basic class, Jim's little illustration of how thick is your Bible. Okay, well, maybe I know a few verses. Well, you you got to get some groundwork. Know your Bible. So you can be equipped. There's a whole big, long passage in Proverbs about wisdom. So I'm going to read it to you. Wisdom, Proverbs 2. Starting in verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, even while you're talking to somebody in your mind, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 9, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. 
discretion will protect you and wisdom will guard you. Okay? There you are. You have the resources. Scripture right here. Proverbs 3, 5. We've memorized it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So you don't walk in there. I understand this situation. I know what to do. No. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And that's when you sit there and you go, help, 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 help. In your mind, help. I need help, Lord. And some of it, just just let the scripture do the work. And I, I come home and I say, Jim, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Well, if you read scripture to them, that may be the only time their scripture has been applied to their problem. So just read scripture even. Can't go wrong. <laughs> so scripture, two-edged sword, right? First Peter 2, 2, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So applying the word, letting people hear it grow in respect to salvation. Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. That's the work of the Bible, okay, the scriptures, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So if we spend time just reading Proverbs, how does this apply to you? You Do you get some, what do you get out of Proverbs? Do you understand what this is saying? Okay, you, God is doing the work. You're just being the, the, the conduit. You're the pipeline. God working in this person's life. And you're also going to rely on the Lord. Okay? Even Paul says in Ephesians 6, 19, pray also for me. Have you thought about that? Paul's begging for prayer. Pray also for me. I open my mouth. Whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. So I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I mean, that can be your prayer every week, right? I'm getting ready to meet with this lady. She's got, you know, problems that I've never felt. You know, I've never gone through these things. But, Lord, please, please pray that I need to open my mouth, that words may be given to me so that I may fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel. You've got to rely on the Lord in terms of the vine and the branches. Okay? Beautiful picture. Abide in me. Okay? You picture what the the branch is getting from the vine. You're getting nourishment. You're getting input. You're not you're not dry sticking off somewhere else, okay? When you're abiding in Christ, he's working through you. He's helping you with your dad who has his own issues. He's helping you give the gospel to a person who's dying, okay? It's when you're abiding in Christ that you have power. And... Jesus says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? Then I, yeah, any of us who've tried to counsel, we know that. Right? I can't do anything here, Lord.
I need you, apart from you. I can't do nothing. It's true. And if you get stumped, go back to the common answer. I'll, come, I'll get back to you on that next week. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question. Great question. Let's talk about it next time. Okay? Don't have to be worried. You know, just set yourself aside. Anyway, right? Oh, no, she's going to think I'm an idiot because I don't know. I mean, how many times have I said, okay, where's that verse? Let's just play a game and see who can find it first. (laughs) Right? We've done that. Yeah. Prize goes to the winner. (laughs) Many times. Okay, then you're saying, all right, you know, maybe I'd like, I'm going to really know the Bible. I'm going to go to a lot of conferences and everything. I'm going to listen carefully in church. But I have my own problems. How can I help somebody else? I've, I'm kind of struggling through things myself, and I'm not victorious all the time. Well, okay, remember 1 Corinthians? We read that about, you know, God's using the weak to help. Okay. But we're also going to say we need growth. Back to the vine concept. We need to be pruned. We need to be shaped. John fifteen two. he cut off every branch in me that's Jesus that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear, bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be even more fruit. So counseling, ordinary women doing counseling are going to be people who are going to get pruned and start to learn and change your own life, which is wonderful. And those of us who have been problem, have gone through problems, I'm telling you, those are the people who can really relate. Okay? Those of you who have been through basics, you know one of the big eyes is involvement. And it's been more than once. I've had the opportunity to say, you know, I've been where you are. I have gone through that. I have seen God work. And I've been comforted. Okay, do you know that passage? First Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians 1. <laughs> 3 through 5. Yeah, thanks, whoever. Okay, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. It's, it gives you a different perspective on your own trials. If you can say, God can use this. I've, I've had suffering but it's so much better if I can use it for God. I can walk alongside with someone else. I can cry with her and say, I know. I felt that same pain, that same hurt. So it doesn't mean you have to have your life all perfect. In fact, if you're not perfect, the better. If you're ordinary, the better. Because you can have that bond, that connection Praise God. All right, so I've added a couple more thoughts. 
kind of uh, sources of fear. This woman's problem is overwhelming. I have no idea what to say. I've never encountered this thing in my life. Uh, maybe I read something about it somewhere, but well, I, you know, I can't do it. So here we are. First John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So if you have a woman comes in and says, well, I have multiple personalities. Okay, remember, one is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Okay, take a deep breath <laughs> and address the key issues, okay? Or they've come in with some massive diagnosis with many, many problems been labeled by professional people and on many medications. And you're going to find that, too, if you work, I mean, even in your churches, okay? Then you're just going to say, okay, Lord, help me out here. Help me find the root problem. And you're going to remember First John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes Jesus is the Son of God. So when a woman comes and says, you know, I saw a demon in my bedroom, then you say to yourself, all right, you know, the one who's in me is greater. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address it with the Word of God. And depend on the Lord to work, okay? <laughs> now, um, Rochelle, were you there, Rochelle, when we had a case that was brought up in our observation seminar, which was like Tom Maxson was telling us this huge, big old problem, and Rochelle and I are looking at each other like, well... And then finally he said, and the woman's reaction is anxiety. Okay, anxiety, I've got verses for that. I don't know about this whole big old thing and complicated and everything, but anxiety, yeah, the Bible addresses that. That thing, that happens a lot, okay? You're going you're gonna to get insight into the Word of God based on different clues you pick up. So, I added another one, too. What will I do if she doesn't even get better? What am I going to do then? I can't do counseling if I don't see people getting better. Well, you're going to have a couple of things. Could be that this person's not a believer. So as long as you're pouring life into her, you know, it's not coming back because you're dealing with somebody who's not regenerate. And this lady may need a lot of patience. Some people really need a lot of patience. Okay, and that brings us into First uh, Timothy, sorry, First Thessalonians 5.14, one of our also major counseling verses. And you've got different groups of people. It says in verse 14, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. And that'll be some of what you do. You, you warn this person again and again. And then there are some who are timid. Encourage the timid. And love those ladies when they come in. Oh, you are doing a great job. Praise God. Keep going. 
just want to encourage you. You're on the right track. Love that. Easy. You know, that's the, that's the coming alongside. You're doing great. So you're encouraging the timid. Help the weak. Another category of person needs help. Okay? The weak person needs more verses, needs more prayer, needs more um, walking alongside, compassion. So if something amazing happens in the counseling office or as, as you're at Starbucks and insight flashes, you're not going to say, all right, good job, Caroline. I finally got it. You're going to say, praise God. Because you're remembering it's God who's at work in you, right? You're the pipeline. So you're going to focus on, even with the successes, but the failures as well. You say, God, I'm just being used. One success or whatever is the lady who uh, couldn't talk about her husband without just falling apart weeping. Okay? And as you... As, as we worked together and kept talking and getting her focus off her husband onto Christ, now, months later, we're getting conversation about her issues without the emotional strain of it, okay? Praise God. Praise God. That's one of those happy times when you say, God, you're working. Thank you for using me. I can be used by you. So, I want, to, I want to encourage you also with some of the personal benefits you'll get out of counseling. And I'm sure I could bring up um, 20 ladies up here tell you the same thing. Okay, but I'll tell you a few things. You're going to grow spiritually. I can't tell you how much I've grown in a year, year and a half, the years I've spent even writing my exam, how much you're going to grow. I mean, you're going to learn a lot about uh, pneumatology and anthropology and all this, you know, like theological words. But you're also going to grow in just understanding what God says. And, wow, you know, the Bible does really work. It ha- it's effective. So you're going to, I like Psalm 51:12, the first part of it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Wow, my salvation supplies what I need. Praise God. My salvation is glorious. It is good news. Anybody who does evangelism and sees a person who really finally understands where their sin is placed on the cross and understanding the redemption, the grace of God, and you're part of that process, don't you, don't you get encouraged? And when you're sitting in a counseling office or you're, at, you're going for a walk around the lake with your friend and and they get it, you're, you're going to grow. Wow. You're going to be thankful. You're also going to learn a lot more Bible. And your Bible's going to get thicker. And you're going to see how even the Old Testament stories apply and, you know, all the stuff that the prophets went through. And what? Psalms. Well, Psalms is amazing. It's rich. You know, I never saw these things before until I started applying to somebody's problem. You're going to learn to study. You may get a counselee say, okay, Caroline, what does that mean, Galatians 6.1, brethren? 
What kind of word is that? Well, you're going to get the Greek out. You're going to study. And you're going to love it. It's going to be to your benefit, too. You're going to help that person. And, man, you're going to grow and learn. You're going to grow in your dependence on the Lord. I promise. Okay, if you get into this, you get serious about it, you're going to really grow in dependence. You're going to remember the John 15, the vine, the branches. Boy, I need to abide in Christ. I can't, no one can bear fruit unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's going to become real. <laughs> and <clears throat> Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's what he wants from us. This is fruit, mentoring, spiritual mothering, helping other women. Your prayer life is going to grow. I added that one. Your dependence on God and your prayer life. Okay, if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're thinking about her problem, and well, I don't really know what to do. That's when you're going to be praying strongly. Okay, serious prayer, wrestling with God over these problems. And Galatians 6, 2, I read before, but it's carry each other's burdens. So as you promise to pray for her, you're going to really be praying. Okay? Especially that's related to your dependence on God. Wow, I need, I need more. If I'm the pipeline, I need more coming in. I need more Bible. I need more prayer. Use me. So, the other great benefit is your own character development. Okay. Sometimes that's when it's painful, but it's good. We need to learn to do what we're saying we're doing, supposed to do, right? Practice what you preach. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. So that's what we start doing. Boy, I want to be correct in how I use this verse. I need more... I need more teaching. I want to know what is Galatians really talking about? Like, you know, Romans. I mean, sometimes it's complicated. What is Romans 7 all about? Okay? You're going to study. You're going to start growing yourself. And if you sit and talk to a lady who's got marriage problems, you think it's going to help your marriage to start hearing yourself? Say those things, which you're supposed to be doing. Oh, man, it's great. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 2. I mean, sorry, 6, 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So if you're the w- older woman, the mentoring wife, the uh, older woman in the church, and you say, this is what you should be doing, then you got to be circumspect in your own life, right? Got to be careful. It's great. Now, if we're those Titus two women, and it says those ladies are supposed to train younger women to love their husbands, love their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands. Those are all parts of your character, which are going to be growing. 
It's good. And those who are working on their stamp collections are not getting those spiritual <laughs> spiritual benefits. Okay? Maybe peaceful and happy, but they're not growing like they're supposed to be. Okay, and you're going to learn patience. Patience is going to come out as you really work alongside people. Any pastor will tell you patience is what he needs. Any preacher is going to say, God, you're working on my patience. So here we are, 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. You don't argue. (laughs) Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So those people who are a little um, resistant and said, I can't do that, you don't know my husband. Again, you're going to be patient, you're going to be kind, instruct them, and just remember, it's God's work, God's word will do the changing so i've got to tell you a little about about what martha peace said in her becoming a titus II woman just briefly since we're supposed to be doing these things reverent behavior that includes how we act and how we dress you know our whole demeanor not a malicious gossip or slanderer really important if you ever promise to meet with a woman and hear her deepest, darkest secrets, you have to keep a confidence, too. And you're going to learn to stop yourself from saying things. You're going to not reveal, even perhaps, that you're meeting together. You're not going to tell everyone, oh, yeah, Susie and I are meeting together every week. She may not want that to be known. She She definitely doesn't want you to reveal her secrets and her struggles. Just like you wouldn't want to, right? So you're going to learn to not talk too much about those things. Not going to be a gossip. Not going to share in prayer meeting what problems you've been hearing about. Okay? Okay. It's very, very important. The gossiper slanderer says in my studies it came from a Greek word, diabolos. Devil. Devilish. Okay, so we're supposed to use edifying words, words that give grace. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. Philippians 4.8, use, speak, you know, words of good repute. Keep confidences. Okay, we're not going to be enslaved to much wine. Okay, that means enslaved to all kinds of things, right? You know, whatever it is, the counselor herself needs to be this type of person, not enslaved. First uh, Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful, not mastered by anything. And we're going to seek to be served even if you have the personality where you want everyone to like you. Okay, You're not going into counseling because you want people to like you. Because if you're telling the word of God to people and they need it applied to their problems, that's not your motivation, okay? You're doing it out of love. You're not going to get those good feelings every time. 
You're going to get people who are arguing with you. Or they're saying, fine, that works for you, not for me. But you're still going to serve. And we're going to start reading the Bible through counseling eyes. (laughs) Those of you who have been even taking the exam, you're starting to look and saying, wow, those verses really apply. And, man, I didn't see how that works for rebellious children or financial problems. You're starting to get the idea that the Bible is written for all these specific needs, and you're going to find those portions of Scripture. It's, it's a growing thing for your character, and it is great for your marriage. Mar- marriage counseling is great because you come home and say, Oh, honey, <laughs> I so appreciate all the good things you do. <laughs> I've been hearing about this horrible husband, and I'm just so glad that you're responsible, that you go to work, and that you know, you're not addicted to alcohol. And Oh, thank you. You know, you're going to, and I've been the beneficiary of that also. My husband out counseling, and oh, yeah, oh, honey, I appreciate That's a real good side effect. Okay, I have a few suggestions. Okay, you need to know theology. Theologist, theology is study of God. Okay, so good theology is going to help you here in counseling. Your view of God. That's going to, your view of God. Okay, who God is. You need that. It's going to help you. Your view of mankind. As you see man as he is in the Bible, you're not going to be totally surprised. People are going to say, I had the ugliest sin in my background. You'll say, yeah, yeah, there is sin. Sin's a reality. And you won't be totally shocked when you hear shocking stories. Okay, so your theology is going to help, partly because you're going to understand that the people you're talking to, even if it's your sister, your mom, your best friend, they are all God's people, okay? These are not your own personal projects. I want to meet with this lady because I know what her problems are, and I can fix it, and she just needs to listen to me. So, no, okay, God is in charge of all this. So that keeps your emotions from going down when you're encountering resistance and going up when you're so happy. I mean, they're all God's people, so your emotions are going to still remain steady, hopefully. (laughs) And you're going to give them up to God if they don't see the light. That's up to the Lord, right? You might be saying, well, I'm not sure if I can handle it emotionally I don't know if I can do counseling because I'm an emotional person and I you know could get all strung out about it and it wrecked my rest of my day to hear her problems okay go back and think these are God's people God is going to work they're not your projects and you're going to give them up to the Lord you're going to constantly pray and say help me Lord Help me keep this in perspective, too. You're like the watchman, Ezekiel. You know, he was the guy who said, you better go and warn those people. They may not listen, but it's your job to warn them, to talk to them about it. 
And Isaiah goes, how long, Lord, do I have to do this? Well, just keep doing it. This is your responsibility. I'm going to take care of the results. And another suggestion, if you want to start working with people, don't be afraid to not have success. Don't be afraid to fail because it's going to happen. People are going to walk out angry. People are going to come and say, you know what? It just doesn't work. You can't take that. I mean, you need to evaluate, of course. Have I done anything that causes this response? Or you just say, okay, Lord, you know, that was your word. I applied your word. It's up to you. Those are your people. We have to lay down our defenses and don't think we're being rejected personally. To avoid burnout. Okay, we need to avoid getting tired because, believe me, we get tired. But Second Thessalonians 3.13, never tire of doing what is right. Okay? You've got to take your eyes off of yourself and your circumstances more on Christ. Your goal is to serve God. It's not to fix the problems of the world. Okay? Not to fix the problems of all these people. God's going to work. It is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. The scripture is going to do the work. Scripture is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. Another thing, a suggestion I put on here is don't be a busybody. Don't be that person who says, I've got the answers for you. I want to fix you. Don't be that person. Okay. In fact, if you're telling yourself, I don't think I could do counseling because I'm not a bossy person, good. <coughs> Which is what I was thinking. You know, I don't like to go around and fix people, so I can't be a counselor. No, but that's the right person to be. You only want to be the, the pipeline to God. You need to be careful when you're giving advice not to um, command them to do what you want. It's got to be based on scripture, and if they say, um, should I sell my car, or should I buy this kind of car? Okay, you can give opinion. You can give opinion based on principles, but you're not going to say, thou shalt, because be really careful. That's being a busybody, and you can alienate. You're not going to work with God that way. Uh, you, I also want to give you a couple more pieces of advice uh, you need to get people around you for help I love 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 observers I have excellent observers coming in and praying while I'm working with somebody and giving help giving verses and asking me later why didn't you say this or that thing Get other people around you. You know, go to your pastor. I've got this problem. I can't, I can't figure out how to deal with this issue. Those are the people. Get those people around you, sir, helping you. Um, my next piece of advice, I've added uh, another one. Don't be afraid to label sin as sin. Psychology would say something else. <coughs> Biblical counseling says this is a sin. Hearing a woman say, I, I just really wanted to kill my child. My husband had 
physically attacked me. I got pregnant, and I just wanted this child dead. That's a sin. You need to confess that sin. The nice thing about confessing sin, though, grace is offered, right? If you identify, you're going to deal with her guilt. You say, this is a sin. You need to confess, and God will forgive you and restore you. He'll wash you clean as snow. Another, another way the gospel works. And be flexible. Get out there. Go. If you're doing your running and training, bring something with somebody with you. Let's, let's go do something together. Okay, look for those people. There are people in your church. I am talking to women from churches who have no mentor. I'll say, go back and find a, a woman. I just don't know anybody in my church. Okay, those are your, your people. You're the people who are going to be in the churches preventing folks from coming into IBCD because you're working with them. Okay? Okay. So I'm going to give you a f- goal to point people to Christ. That's your job, point women to Christ. Not to think of yourself. You are not the Savior. And there's no long-lasting solution anyway without the Spirit. So you can warn. You can warn people and let God do the work. I want to give you a few verses just for encouragement. Let's listen to these verses. We were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We love you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. That's our attitude from 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8. Hebrews 6, 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Also, the final one, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God supplies. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we feel so ordinary. We feel inadequate. We feel confused sometimes. We feel weak. But we are thankful. You are the powerful God. You are the almighty God who works in us and through us. And we want to be those women, Lord, who are serving in their churches, serving our family members, bringing the word to bear on their problems. Give us the compassion we need. Give us the patience. Give us the verses. Give us the closeness we need with you. And Father, take us and use us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Copyright 2012, IBCD, all rights reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.